Welcome to Idaho Catholic Podcast. We're here tonight in Western Idaho, beautiful Western Idaho, with a great gathering of guys today and a great topic to talk about. I'd like to introduce to you Clay Matthews is joining us, and he's here on a respite from Honduras as a missionary. Daryl Falkenberg is with us. He's one of our usuals, but he has taken off tomorrow to be a missionary in Honduras. And last but not least is Mike Roberts. Say hi, guys. Good evening. Yeah, welcome, welcome. Hey, so our topic tonight, we'd like to talk a little bit about missionary life or the call to mission or being a missionary. And I asked the guys if they could uh, maybe come up with a couple of questions that they could start off by asking Clay. Actually, before we even get into that, Clay, can you tell us a little bit about what you've been doing? Yeah, so um, I'm actually a volunteer for an organization called Amigos de Jesus down in Honduras. Um, And that is a children's home. It's not technically an orphanage because most of the kids have family, but they were either abandoned, abused, um, just very hard lives. So we take them in and care for them, a Catholic organization. And as a volunteer, I teach English and I just spend time with the kids being a you know, healthy adult influence in their lives. And it's pretty open-ended as far as that goes. But as far as what I do daily, it's live and breathe amigos and live with the kids. So, Wow, amazing, amazing. Um, okay, guys, what, what do we want to ask them? What's on your mind? Um, so, so Clay, something I was wanting to know is, uh, is, is there a, a, a scripture passage or, or, a, a, or a, something from the Bible that you've related to in this um, journey that you've been on or, or something that, um, or a scripture passage that helped you discern to originally go to Amigos de Jesus? So originally go or a passage that spoke to me while I'm there? Yes. Both. Yeah. Either, either, sure. either, or, okay. or both. <laughs> it takes um, back to the beginning, Clay. I would say that because my discernment process of going to Amigos was so quick, I don't have a verse right off the top of my head. I mean, something I always go back to is the words that Mary said, "Do unto me according to your will." You know, that's something I try to abide by daily: is submitting to God's will over my own. So, I mean, as far as discerning the call, it was take me God where you wish you know it's not mine it's not my will it's not my plans it's your plans so that's something I go back to very frequently obviously and um, something that has kind of come up I would say maybe last month I don't remember I'm planning on reading the whole Bible through this year Um, I have like this plan and I was reading through Acts, actually, and I wake up every morning and I read the Bible and pray the Liturgy of the Hours, and um, Acts 5, the very beginning, it's Ananias and Sapphira, Sapphira, I don't know how to say the name, it's kind of an intense verse, a tense little story, but Ananias comes before Peter, he sells this land, but he keeps some of the proceeds, and Peter calls him out and says, why are you lying to the Holy Spirit, and then he struck dead by God (laughs) then his wife does the same thing Sapphira she comes before Peter says I've sold all my stuff I want to be a disciple of Christ but they're keeping some of the proceeds she strike she struck dead um and I remember reading that I still have a vivid image of me just pausing I I read it and it I stopped reading for the morning and I just meditated on it because yeah it could be 
thrown off by the intense details of the story, but fundamentally the story is about us not wanting to actually give everything to God. It's coming before God and saying, take me as your own, but always having a backup plan. Always saying that if you don't pan out or I don't trust in you, your providence is beyond my grasp, so I'm going to keep some part of myself that I understand. And that has a profound impact on my time at Amigos of where am I withholding myself from God? You know, what is it that I'm saying yes to God, but in the back of my mind I'm saying, well, I don't actually trust you, so I'm going to keep this little part of myself in a nice box. And that's guided me because Amigos has challenged me in every single way. So just constantly submitting myself and saying, take it. And even if I don't know what he's taking exactly, just have all of it. And that, I'd say I come back to that verse very frequently. Um, just every day at Amigos probably of continually submitting myself to God's will. Yeah, that's awesome. Awesome. Hey, Clay, can I ask, how, how old are you? Uh, 23, almost 24, 23. You know what? I think you're in the exact same situation. Every 23 year old. I know. No, not really. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Uh, So, um, I have a million questions, but Hey Mike, do you have something you want to ask Clay before I jump in there? Can we lighten it up a little bit? Is that okay? Yeah. Yeah. Go right ahead. Do you have any toilet paper? You know, I can, uh, how do you say that in Spanish? No. Do you have any uh, humorous Papel stories? Papel higienico. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, there do you, you have go. any humorous, humorous stories of like when you, maybe when you first showed up and you, you did something <laughs> offensive to someone there or something awkward happened or just something funny? Well, awkward is another word for Honduras, at least as a gringo standpoint. <laughs> um <laughs> One of the funny things for me, <laughs> looking back on it, is, is I live in a house with five other American volunteers, and I was getting the tour of the house, and a girl was showing me the bathroom, and we don't have running water, so you flush with a bucket. And another thing that struck me was that in Honduras, you don't flush the toilet paper, you throw it away. And she told me that, and I, I really tried to be cool, like, oh yeah, that's, that's totally fine. But she told me later on, I had this look of just utter aghast <laughs> just shock and i tried to be cool on the surf like on the surface i clearly wasn't because inside i was like are you kidding me and i was just terrified to use the bathroom for the first three days i was there i was like i can't believe this this is ridiculous like you have to throw it away when you're done what is this and then so that was one story i think is funny another one is uh uh just i guess this happens all the time but just some of the madrinas, so they keep track of the kids and stuff. They'll just, they'll, they'll start talking and, well, this is, this just happens daily is that they'll start talking in Spanish and you'll be around them and then immediately they'll start chuckling and laughing really hysterically and you don't know exactly what you did and I don't think I did anything. This happens all the time because you're just, you're in a language you don't fully grasp <laughs> and so a lot of times you just kind of stand there and they're laughing and they're saying stuff really quickly to each other and then you you might have offended them but you're not exactly sure and so you kind of just slowly walk away and turn around (laughs) (laughs) and that happens more than it should for me but yes awkward is you have to embrace awkward very frequently in that a new language 
that's a dose of humility for sure. <laughs> I, so, go ahead. Oh, so you're learning a new language then. So you uh, went to Honduras, not speaking hardly any Spanish. No. Is there, um, is there anything spiritual to learning a new language? Like, it, um, like has it been a, a somewhat of a spiritual experience going through that? Yeah. Um, as you know, Daryl, there's a video by Bishop Barron. He talks about prayer. And I don't remember where he's getting this advice. Um, some woman he's referencing in some book saying that if you want to learn how to pray, one tip is you should try learning another language because you're coming up against something that you don't fully understand. And whether you understand it or not doesn't take away the fact that the language is there in all of its splendor and glory. And so you can be angry at it. You can throw the book across the room but it's still going to be there and you still have to enter into it. So it's, it's sort of an, an analogy of entering into the, the mystery, kind of this all-encompassing mystery that is prayer and letting it kind of arrest you and humble you. And it's, it, it's very intense, so it doesn't really necessarily feel like a prayer because it's just painful and humiliating and frustrating. But there is something of, of being, not having control and realizing that somehow in some way trying to reach God is analogous to that that no matter how hard you try there's going to be some de deeper mystery that you're never going to profoundly understand and and learning a language makes you enter into the humility of coming before God and so in some way yeah I'd say that it's prayerful very intense prayer but yeah there's a type of learning how to pray through that of humility before God Hey, I have a question for you, Clay. <clears throat> you know, when my wife and I, we were living in Guatemala, and the, the prominent language there was Spanish, and, and we went there not speaking that great of Spanish, and we did something similar with you, as you did. Um, we went to Spanish school, and I think we went for six weeks or eight weeks, and then afterwards we were really immersed in the culture, and, and, and church there was in Spanish. The Mass was in Spanish. Mm -hmm. And um, I noticed after being there quite a few months that um, there was kind of a disconnect. Our, our Spanish never got really great, but, but we, we were able to converse. But when it really came to prayer and listening to the, the, the prayers of the Mass, the homily of the Mass, there was we never really totally connected. And I think as more time went on, we really felt that there was a part of us that really wasn't being fed very well because it wasn't our native language. Mm -hmm. and, um, and, and there was kind of an emptiness and kind of a loneliness that developed over time. H have you experienced anything like that at all? Yes, certainly. Um, you know, going to a country like Honduras and all the poverty and the struggles that it has, you're faced with comfort, like a your worldly comforts are taken away, the food, just so many of the first world com comforts are taken away for you. But for me, the hardest part has been the spiritual sort of desert I've entered into because I don't really have daily mass anymore. I don't have the Blessed Sacrament. I don't have a mass that is my own language. Um, <clears throat> so that has, for me, been the greatest challenge. And there is a type of emptiness that no matter how good your Spanish gets, there's some way that the mass isn't going to feed you. And and just even cultural differences of how we, people understand piety and reverence is different. Just being in your own culture and entering into a a prayerful state is easier in your own culture. And so, yeah, I'd say that for me, like sort of the lack of 
liturgical life that I have here in the States has been the greatest challenge for me. And that's the, the thing I prioritize most of trying to create a structure so I can be fed in some way. But yeah, it, there is a hollowness that you have to essentially deal with. And the consolation I guess I get through that is the fact that God called me there mm-hmm. for whatever reason. And so whatever that emptiness is inside of me, that's whatever I'm learning through that I need, that's God's will, I guess. And I don't exactly understand entirely, but it's, it is very challenging. Yeah. You know, one of the things that I related to was when we came back to the United States and all of a sudden we were really able to really engage and, uh, in the mass and, and with the relationships at mass, I really had a kind of an, uh, I guess a heightened, understanding of the immigrants that come to the United States. You know, there was a big push for a long time in the United States saying that, hey, all these people come over here, they need to learn the language. And and I understand on some aspect, but when it comes to your your faith and your spiritual relationships, um, you really you pray in your native language. Mm-hmm. And when you when you when you can't, at least when we experience that, there, there is there is something that's a disconnect or a dryness and so you know we live in Caldwell Caldwell what our church I guess at Our Lady of the Valley it must be about 75% Mexican I think and so I think of all of those people there yeah you know, yes some do speak English very well but it's not their for many of them it's not their primary language mm-hmm. so um, <clears throat> if, if they're forced to not go to a Spanish mass what is that doing to them? Anyway, those are just some of the things I ponder. And I think if you haven't experienced it yourself, I don't know if you can completely identify with that. I'm, I'm not sure. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So how about um, one of the things I was thinking about is um, what are some of the ups and downs of mission life? <laughs> what comes to mind? Um, yeah, we, we talked about some already. Yeah. But, but yeah, what about what about an up? What 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 is one of the things that you're just kind of on fire for for what you're doing? I'd say an up for for me and also for all the volunteers who go or the kids. Um, there's always these moments that volunteers have that are always just focused on the kids, and you'll just happen to find yourself sitting with a kid after dinner talking with them and they'll share their story a little bit. It's really a mystery. I don't have words for it. And I've tried to put words to it, but you'll just be listening to this kid's story and you you just feel like you're in the presence of the the splendor of God listening to it because there's such pain and there's such suffering, but there's such clear crystal joy. And you just feel like, why am I here? Like, what do I deserve to be listening to the story of this kid? And what am I in all of this? And it's very profound and you're just dazzled by this 14 year old kid or girl or whatever, just the depth of life experience. It's, it's really beyond comprehension. And like, I remember the moment I walked into the gates, they have these two gates and they put a big sign like Bienvenidos Amigos de Jesus, welcome to Amigos de Jesus. And they open up and every kid is just standing in the portal. There's a bridge. And I I got swarmed by all these kids that didn't know me. And I still to this day don't have words for it. And and these girls dragged me off and pulled me by the hand and took me around. And I 
I don't think I've ever felt anything that real. I guess there's no other way than the love of the Holy Spirit or something, but I think the volunteers that go to Amigos and stay a long time really can feel that, and the simplicity and the purity of that love is something that I don't think I'll ever be able to put to words, and I don't think I'll ever... I, I mean, it's profoundly changed me in some way. Right. It's still a mystery, you know. I can't, I can't explain it unless you experience it yourself. Right. You know, kind of like encountering Christ. There's no words for it, but in some way, those are just highest for me. It's always comes, it always comes back to the kids. You know, being disciples to the kids. It's part of our mission statement. And so, the highs are always centered around the kids. The lows are everything else, but yeah. it's the kids primarily. I, I remember in, in Guatemala, you know, it's so funny. You, you can have an idea what your mission is going to be in life or what God is calling you to do. And I had all these plans that I was going to do in Guatemala. And uh, none of them really came to fruition. New things, new things showed up. But I remember I finally, gosh, it must have been about five months. I've been there for about five months. And I really decided that um, what I really needed to do is just to be open to God and be docile to what he chose for me. And so I had this little routine. I would wake up in the morning. The lady, Ruth, the local that we lived with, would have breakfast for us. And so I'd eat breakfast. And then I'd go out what I'd call street walking. <laughs> but um, so I would really just take off. And um, we lived in a tr kind of a tropical area. We, we were by a lake and it was surrounded by volcanoes. And the sides of the volcanoes were all farmed, you know, with corn and different things. Well, anyway, I would take off down the street. I'd have to pass the 10 ladies who were sitting in a circle who worked at the little gathering where they plucked the chickens every morning. <laughs> so they were sitting there plucking their chickens. But, um, and then I'd head up into the mountains and I'd climb up these, these mountains and I would just climb and climb and walk and kind of pray. And I'd always encounter a farmer. And when I would come across a farmer, he would every single time, and it must be the culture there, um, he, I would say hi to him. He would stop what he was doing. He would put down his hoe and we would just start talking. And he would, he, the, there was not a more important thing for him to do than the person that was just placed in his life, which was me. And we would talk and we would talk about God. We'd talk about his family. We talk about his struggles. We talk about his blessings. We talked about everything. It, it was very common for us just to meet this guy in the middle of nowhere and to talk for like two and a half to three hours. <laughs> this was every single day and everybody that I met. Now, by doing that, I would learn things like his his uncle, who is blind, who lives in the cornstalk house. The house was just blown over in the storm last night and had no place to live. So that was the project for the next day. <laughs> we were going to rebuild a shed for him, you know, or we go or the next day I meet somebody and there's always a need. Um, they're proud people in a lot of ways, so they don't want to ask. But but they also also feel that maybe that you're you're a gift of God to them. And so you'd find out things like their, their sister who has eight kids and the husband had an accident and there's no food. They haven't had food for two days. And so wow. there's the next project that we'd have. Mm -hmm. And I, I just loved that yeah. to them because they don't have resources. They don't have money. They don't have any wealth. The, the thing that is the most important and, and maybe their wealth is, 
is their friendships. Yeah. And that's what they can offer and that's what they, they look forward to. And I got to tell you that probably the biggest thing for my wife Liz and I when we came back to the United States is we'd become accustomed to that kind of a culture. And then you come back to the United States and I think that's one of the lowest priorities for a lot of people yeah. is just relationships, meeting new friends. And what is friendship? You know, what is friendship in our culture? And um, anyway, that just gave me a lot to think about it. And you said something a minute ago, and I think it's very profound. When, when you go on mission and then when you come back from mission, you're not the same person. You've been changed mm-hmm. in, a, in a deep way, I think. Yeah. So I didn't want to go too far without talking about um, tomorrow is a very, very big day for Daryl. Daryl is uh, heading off to Honduras to be a missionary. And um, Daryl, so tell us what's going on and why you feel called to leave the comfort of the United States. And, um, and what are you going to be doing? So um, I... I'm actually going to be um, entering a Mount Angel Seminary in late August, and so um, before I entered uh, seminary for the Diocese of Boise, I wanted to do something that would um, kind of help to uh, uh, perhaps purge me of some of the detach- uh, some of the attachments that I have that I think will get in the way of my formation. Um, and, and so I, I really want to just try to use this summer to help uh, prepare myself to be formed. So I'm going, uh, if my, one of my main reasons for going is just to try to, um, to help submit myself to God, to try to get some of the things out of my life that I think are um, holding me back and pre- kind of like as what Clay said, preventing me from giving everything that I have to God. And what better way, I guess, than to uh, join my friend Clay in Honduras <laughs> for seven weeks? Um, so now, yeah. now did he, so did he invite you to come? How did that? How did that come about? Well, I um, well, I told Clay probably six months ago that I really felt that that God w- was wanting me to do something intense over the summer to try to. Um, to draw me closer to himself so that I could be better formed in the seminary so that I could learn to be a good seminarian. And I, uh, I, I was telling him this several months ago and then, uh, Clay ended up, uh, emailing me and telling me that the, uh, Amigos de Jesus had a summer volunteer program. So I ended up contacting the, uh, coordinator, the, the woman who coordinates the volunteers for, uh, Amigos de Jesus, and she told me that there were several openings for their summer um, uh, school program, and so I just ended up applying and getting it. And uh, so, yeah, it, it was Clay who uh, who told me about it, and um, you, it was a really good, a, a really great opportunity. Do you know what you're going to be doing there? Yeah, uh, so I'll be teaching music. Uh, Are you a music teacher? I I'm I'm not an expert in music, so <laughs> it's just kind of funny that I'm uh, teaching music, but I. I, uh, I I think it'll be a, a, a good time. I, I think I'll enjoy it. It'll definitely get me out of my comfort zone, yeah. but I'll be, uh, I can give them uh, guitar lessons if that's possible. Um, I know that there are some um, instruments at Amigos de Jesus, the, what are they, the clarinet things, the recorders? Recorders. recorders. Uh, <laughs> <kids have those. laughs> Stuff like that. <laughs> but uh, 
Yeah, and, and I'll be teaching mainly during the morning, so I'll have four hours of classes in the morning, and that'll be my main job while I'm there over the summer. And and you're fluent in Spanish, right? Oh, yeah, <laughs> and French and German. <laughs> no, I, <laughs> no I, sp- I speak very little Spanish, So I th- that's, and that's another reason why um, I, I thought Amigos de Jesus was such a good option is because um, I wanted to do something uh, purgative, something... Uh, you know something intense um uh, my friend clay's there which is another uh pro to it but then also i i'm hoping to be able to learn a little bit of spanish while i'm there since um for the diocese of boise seminarians need to to more or less become fluent and well they not more or less they need to become fluent in spanish um in order to be priests because there's uh such a high spanish-speaking population in the state of idaho yeah, that'd be a great start, I think. Mm-hmm. So <clears throat> I like this idea about you purging. And, you know, I'm having a hard time looking at you across the table because there's a big bottle that's in between <laughs> us. And um, actually, it's it's huge. And, and what is that bottle that's there? Well, I didn't bring it. Mike, would you care to explain what this is that you brought? <laughs> well, we recently did a family vacation down to Arizona to visit some friends. And Costco's down there have their own... Kirkland signature brand of various um, alcohol whiskeys and, and so forth. So this is this is a signature Kirkland 12-year-old blended scotch whiskey, and it is a huge bottle. It's it's 1.75 liters. The, I, the I, think it, just I think it's I think us. it stands three feet tall. <laughs> <laughs> Wasn't only thirty bucks. I you know it was around thirty bucks. That's yeah, it, it's amazing that they're. We we, ha- we we haven't even broken it open yet. It's still sealed. I know. I, so hopefully it's as good as the you know. Yeah, I think I think we have four more minutes of this podcast, and then we're going to break it open. <laughs> <laughs> great, great. So, Mike, do you have any questions for these guys at all? Well, a comment. Then I guess maybe a question at the end. But I, you know, I just want to Clay and, and Daryl say how impressed I am with you guys. You know, we. Anytime I think of a task that God gives me, us, I, I, I always go through the sorrowful mysteries in my head, and I think about how, you know, the sorrowful mysteries, I'll just repeat them for our listeners here. You know, you have the agony in the garden, the scourging at the pillar, the crowning of thorns, the carrying of the cross, and the crucifixion. And I, I think that's a good, you know, I don't know if it's called, if I could call it an emotional life cycle that you go through when, when God gives you a mission, He gives you a task to do. You know, the first st- stage of that is, you know, not with all tasks, but with some tasks, I think you agonize over that. It's like, what have you, what are you calling me to here, God? This is ridiculous. You know, take everything I have in a suitcase and go to Honduras and and serve these kids. I can't do that. I don't even know the language. And you go through this, this stage of you know all these difficult things to so finally you, you you just say okay I'm gonna do this no matter the persecution I get no matter the hardships I'm gonna pick up my cross and I'm gonna fulfill this mission and so you know like Mary you guys you said yes despite maybe any agony that was on the onset so I, I, I'm proud of you guys glad to know you guys you're an inspiration to me and to I'm sure many people out there listening and I, you know maybe you've touched the hearts of those listening to this podcast and they feel a call to do something like you're doing or maybe specifically what you're doing so before we wrap it up here guys do you want to 
just give a, I don't know, I don't know if you want to share your own contact, contact information or how do, how do, how do people get a hold of Amigo de Jesus um, or you guys individually to, to talk, to see if they can connect with you guys and, and do this too? Yeah. So Amigos de Jesus has a, has a website you can get on. They also have a, their own Facebook page so you can follow them. Um, you can follow me. Clay Matthews with one T. The other, you'll get a football player. Um, but yeah, so get on the website. It'll have a bunch of links for like how to help, how to volunteer if you want to do stuff, what's our mission. Um, if you want to sponsor anybody, you can do all of that. So, um, yeah, and that's great. And the Facebook page is really great. They update it, I think, daily so you can get little snippets into the daily life of it and see pictures of the kids. So we're really involved in that. Is your picture on there? Yeah, if you go to the volunteer, there's a a picture of me the other volunteers are better looking than me but you know <laughs> I, I think he's being humble Daryl and Clay are, are like movie stars uh, whatever but yeah so it has everything on the website Facebook page so you can find us there great great so so Daryl are you all packed I am yeah Every everything's all packed uh, and I have my, my plane leaves uh, tomorrow morning so I just need to go home and uh sleep and wake up and leave now, now now what do you get to take what are you taking there um not not much uh just a, a suitcase and a guitar and that, that's about it uh, my computer i'm gonna bring my computer but yeah just just basic stuff um not you know not too much yeah clay is there anything that he should take with him that he's not gonna have access to in honduras that big bottle that's that in front of That big bottle. Any, <laughs> any Extra sort guitar of... strings? Oh. See, Clay, Clay has no chill. So I, I asked him what I should bring, and he said, bring nothing but your willingness to serve. <laughs> oh. <laughs> that's, that's on the Amigos de Jesus handbook. That's not my own quote. <laughs> but, uh, you know, they don't have the candy, so a lot of volunteers. You just find random cravings that when you're down there because you don't... Because you don't have it anymore. You don't have any much, so there's just random stuff you'll fall in love with. And so if you have any candies that you really want, make sure to bring them. But you know, it's probably something that you don't even know that you're going to be missing. Mm-hmm. I, you know, I I remember after quite a few months in in Guatemala, um, the candy. I'm not I'm not a really big candy eater, but um, the the candy is really different. You know, you, you're not going to find a Snickers or anything like that. But anyway, one day we were by this little tiny little tienda and I walked inside and they had American candy. They had these little baggies with these little like I don't know what they are like like the little Hershey bars, but you know the bite size ones. Sure. And, and um and it had a, you know a mixture of those. Man, we just hit the <clears> jackpot <throat> when we saw those. I thought it was great. Did you buy the whole store? No, but we went back until they weren't there anymore. <laughs> I don't know how they got them, but um it was great. It was great. So I do, I think you do get cravings for things that uh, you don't know that you're gonna have. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, guys. I think we're to the end of the uh, podcast. I'd like to thank you for uh, sharing your stories today. And for you listeners, um, thank you for listening. And please say a quick prayer when you get a chance for Clay and Daryl when they go off on their mission. And we hope you have a beautiful week and look forward to the podcast next week. Um, We have a plan of kind of a humorous, uh, humorous little session. 
um, I think that you'll enjoy. We're going to try to grab Clay and, and Daryl one more time to record a, a second podcast that we can play next week for you. Even though they'll be in Honduras at that time, you'll be able to hear their voice one more time. So I wish you a happy week, and may God bless you, and may he forever keep you.